What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel for the stand, saddle, or blind. First Light, go farther, stay longer. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. I'm your host, Tony Peterson, and this week's show is all about understanding wind. A couple of weeks ago, I did an episode on bugs and creepy crawlies and the inevitable multi-legged nastiness that you'll deal with while scouting and hunting at some point. There are just some parts of what we do that are always there and always influencing our hunts and never get as much love as, I don't know, three hot new tactics for hunting the rut or how to e-scout, whatever. Well, wind is one of those elements of any hunt. And let me tell you this, if you don't understand how moving air affects your hunts, you're going to have a lot of bad hunts. You are out of luck, partner. This goes for a lot of different pursuits, but it's so important to deer hunting, elk hunting, bear hunting, probably some other kinds of hunting I'm forgetting. When I was in high school, a buddy and I drove six hours north to the edge of the Boundary Waters to stay with my aunt and uncle while we fished our hearts out. Those Ely area lakes were like heaven to us, partially because of the undeveloped shorelines and unpressured fish, and partially because the folks who did spend a lot of time on the water up there always fished hungry. They targeted walleyes and mostly crappies throughout the summer and would often spear northerns in the winter. The pressure was on the good eating fish, so the smallies and the largemouth up there were largely ignored by the locals, which made it so much fun. Well, my buddy, who we'll call Hawk, because that's what we call him, he and I drove up there to fish for a few days. And like we did in that time of our life, and for way too many years afterwards, we brought a bottle of vodka with us. 
Right before my aunt and uncle went to sleep, my aunt casually said that we should go outside and check out the northern lights. Being from a place where you don't see them often, or hardly ever, we did just that. With screwdrivers in our cup, that's vodka and orange juice and not some weird tool fetish, Hawk and I went outside and craned our necks toward the heavens. It was unbelievable. If you've ever seen real northern lights, you know what I mean. We were in awe, and as we chipped away at that bottle of vodka, we just stared at the shimmering green lights in the sky. The next morning, as we bounced across the waves of Bear Island Lake, Hawk turned awful pale and then lost his breakfast in the drink and then very urgently asked me to bring him to shore so he wouldn't shit his pants. Now, I've seen a few people hop urgently out of a boat when nature called, but that one was the most urgent, the most athletic, and the most shameless considering the boat was maybe three feet away when he dropped trowel and cut loose. While I can't explain really how dumb we were then, I can now explain kind of how northern lights work. You see, the sun is an enormous ball of fuel that is really, really hot. You guys probably knew that part, but did you know that the sun is in a constant state of throwing off solar wind, which carries charged particles at nearly 500 miles per second? Not miles per hour, per second. That wind and all the charged particles it's made of shoot across the cosmos, and if you're unlucky enough to be on the wrong planet, it'll strip away the atmosphere completely. This is something that happened on Mars. What keeps it from happening to us is the magnetic field that surrounds the Earth thanks to all of that molten iron rolling around in the core of our planet. When solar winds hit that invisible shield, they bounce and scatter around it. If you're in an area with low light pollution and clear skies, you'll see that as northern lights. Pretty wild, huh? Well, far below where that's happening, we hunt deer in areas with wind that doesn't blow quite as fast as solar winds, but still influences us in many, many ways. As hunters, we know this intuitively, but it helps to understand what wind is before we get into why it's important to understand as hunters. So for starters, wind is the result of different temperatures of air meeting. This is most easily understood with thermals, but in my experience, a lot of hunters don't really understand thermals. Wind is just the replacement of one temperature of molecules with another temperature of molecules. How fast are they moving? Generally, as air gets warmer, it gets less dense and it rises. This creates a space for cooler air to move in. And well, there you have it. This is why with thermals, the scent moves uphill in the morning and downhill in the evening. Or why when you're elk hunting, which basically involves thermals on steroids, the wind at times will absolutely rush uphill or downhill, depending on whether you're there in the morning or the evening, or whether the sun is out or not whether it's early September or late November, or often, unfortunately, whether you have an elk coming in or not. You might think, well, I hunt the big woods and it's flat as a pancake and harder to hunt than those dumb deer that just walk into every cornfield. And so I don't deal with thermals and the wind just blows straight across the landscape every day. Well, hold on there, partner. You might be missing something. There's another kind of thermal that you might want to consider. Although to be honest, I don't know if it's actually called a thermal or not. I'm going to call it that because it makes sense to me and it's my podcast. If you're that big woods hunter, ask yourself, do you hunt around swamps or reservoirs, rivers, ponds, some kind of standing water, some kind of body water? Because the air above land tends to heat up faster than the air above water. You know what that means? Yep. The air is going to move and create wind, but wait, 
there's more. The air above the water not only heats up slower in the morning, but it cools off faster than the air over the land in the evening. So you once again have a situation where your scent might be getting pulled somewhere by the ever-present temperature differential in the air around you. Here's what I know about this stuff, at least when it comes to thermals. The bigger the temperature difference, the faster the thermals will move. We often talk about thermals as if they are a constant in bluff country in the mountains. And while they probably are to some extent in elk habitat, for whitetails, they aren't exactly a sure thing. If it's 27 degrees before first light and supposed to reach 70 at noon, you're going to see a rapid change in temperature that is going to create thermals. If it's 27 degrees before first light and it's only going to claw its way up to 31, you won't see much for thermals. This is worth understanding because it's also the driving force and why so many people won't hunt in valleys or in bottoms. They reckon, wrongly, I might add, that the wind will always be swirling and the odds of not getting busted are zero, so it's not worth hunting. But calm conditions exist. Reliable winds exist, even in broken, weird terrain. Experience in these spots is the key to understanding when to hunt and when to stay out. Staying out without hunting and the experience, what the wind actually does, is a shortcut and not a smart one. Wind is unreliable sometimes, but understanding how it works is important. It flows over the land, kind of like water. It takes easy routes when it can. The best wind, in my experience, is wind that is blowing a decent amount, say 10 to 15 miles an hour, but sticking to a very predictable direction. That's the easiest wind to play for your setups, but also the easiest wind to predict deer movement around. This is the other part of wind that we don't really give a lot of love to how it influences deer movement. Since they trust their noses more than anything, deer are heavily motivated to travel certain directions and at certain times in relation to how strong the wind is blowing and in what direction it's blowing. They enter fields on specific trails just because of how the wind is blowing. They bet according to the wind direction and will reposition if the wind changes direction. They mostly and I say that with an asterisk, walk into the wind or crosswise with it if it's possible, although that's far from written in stone. They often approach decoys and calling sequences according to wind direction. If they see something they don't like or hear something they don't like, they'll head downwind to verify their suspicions. Bears do this a lot too. And if you think you can fool a bear's nose, well, you have more confidence in yourself than you should. Ditto with elk. Most of their movements are influenced by wind, even during the rut, when they have other reasons for going from one woodlot to the next. I also believe through lots of personal observation that pressure deer rely more heavily on their noses and the wind than unpressured deer. Now, I know that's not revelatory, but let me explain. I've hunted Texas deer that were so dumb and so oblivious that they wouldn't run away when they winded me. They just didn't care. Most of us don't deal with those deer. We deal with deer that are far less forgiving. I've seen deer in other places get a whiff of me that left, but didn't totally turn inside out. And I've seen deer that snorted 5,000 times at the mere hint of a whiff of a human. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame 
from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now, you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know, super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. Just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Where I hunt in northern Wisconsin, I see the wind play a major role in deer movement and how they position themselves to feed. Since the hunter numbers are high and the predator numbers are really high over there, the deer are just kind of neurotic. They don't take a lot of risks. That makes them really challenging and really frustrating to hunt. The times I've had a chance to hunt them on a meadow or a hayfield over there, I've watched how they leave the cover and either go out into the middle where they have a good field of view in every direction, or often they'll position themselves out far enough into the field where they can still scent check the cover while watching the rest of the field with their eyes. The harder the wind blows, the cagier they get, but also the more predictable it is when they do come out. 
they trust their noses to tell them what is in the woods that they can't see. And they give themselves an advantage by being far enough out there to get away as soon as they smell something fishy. How they travel out of the cover is related to wind oftentimes, but how they travel in cover is almost always influenced by the wind. This is why a really good funnel or pinch point is so beneficial to find. It forces them to give up their noses a lot of times, which is something they will do. Elk will too. So will bears, but it has to be a very specific situation. For whitetails, you can find these spots where they're just going to walk even though the wind isn't going to give them an edge and will actually take away their best predator detecting sense. The folks who figure out how to identify these spots and then the conditions when they should hunt these spots to reap the real wind benefits are the hunters who kill more big bucks than the rest of us. Trust me on that. So how do you figure out how they use the wind in certain spots and then how you can use that wind to hide your presence and position big bucks so you can shoot them? Well, you can look at the terrain first. Ridge tops are great for this because you have built-in locations to hang stands where your scent will blow out over a big valley of nothingness. But it's not so simple. If the wind is blowing across the top of a ridge, perpendicular to the ridge, we will say, then playing it is as simple as getting on the downwind side. But if it's a knife ridge, they might not want to walk up and down it if the wind is blowing across it because they can't smell what's ahead of them. So you'd need a wind that blows down the ridge lengthwise, but then your scent is also blowing down to where the deer will be coming from or where they're going. It's quite the dilemma. Now imagine a little juke in the ridge somewhere or a bunch of deadfalls that concentrate travel on one side. You might be able to set up off of that ridge with your scent blowing straight down it or real close to straight down it, but not quite. It might be enough of the right direction to get the bucks to walk it and trust their nose, but it's just off by a few degrees, giving them a disadvantage and you a slight margin of an advantage. Because now he thinks he's safe to walk it, and that is when you kill him. There are situations like this in the woods all over waiting for you to find them. There are situations like this in the mountains, too, that you might find if you hunt elk. If you bait bears, you can look for a situation like this where you put water or some kind of wet swamp to your back and set up with a bait just into the higher ground. Even if the approaching Bruins want to get downwind, they might not do it because they don't want to get their feet too wet or go swimming. There are a lot of ways to play the wind that go far beyond simply hunting a spot in such a way that you think the wind won't get you busted. That's part of it, and believe me, it's no small part. But a bigger part is learning how animals bed and feed and travel in relation to the wind. Because when you start thinking about that, you start to be able to see into the future a little bit. You see, you have to think about the wind as a constant in your world as a hunter. Then, once you do, you have to think about it as a constant in the deer's life, or an elk's or a pheasant, for that matter, anything. It's going to have an effect on them every day because they sure as hell think about the wind and whether it's going to carry scent to them from a wallow in the meadow or whether it's going to make it impossible to spot hawks and other aerial predators that might be looking for a rooster snack. It's an ever-present element of all hunts and it goes so far beyond just some invisible thing that carries our scent to their noses or not. It's the number one way in which some of these critters survive to see another day because it's such an advantage to them. But every advantage is also some sort of weakness. And that is that if you can give them too much confidence in their safety, you can beat them. 
Recognizing those situations is the key to figuring out season after season spots that will always produce sightings and encounters. So think about the wind, not just as a reason to sit one stand that's set up for the northwest or west or south or whatever, but as something that controls to some extent, you know, oftentimes small, but sometimes larger, the overall movements of the animals you hunt. Once you get it figured out, you not only have more educated guesses on where to sit, but you can figure out where the deer or elk or whatever should be coming from because they will better feed in certain locations based on the wind. This means that the buck that entered a soybeans from a specific trail while the wind was out of the northwest today will probably do that very same thing the next time the wind is out of the northwest unless some other factors change. That small herd of public land elk you find heading up a certain drainage to bed on September 10th might do the same thing on the 12th as the wind is out of the same direction. How bears approach bait sites, how bucks approach scrapes, how bulls approach what they think is a rival bugling his head off in a bad idea of challenge. It all depends on the wind. So think about it. And think about what the wind is doing when you see animals doing something. Which direction was it blowing when you watched that big woods buck cross the tiny stream and enter the clear cut? How hard was it blowing? Is there a reason to believe there were some thermals at play where he crossed? Think about this. When you see bucks and does and all kinds of animals moving around naturally, all of it, or quite a bit of it anyway, has a little bit to do with the wind. And lastly, think about coming back next week for more hunting wisdom, because I plan to talk about how to figure out deer by accident, but sort of on purpose, whether you hunt the big woods or the western plains or wherever. Now, I know that doesn't make any sense at all, so just give it a listen and I'll clear the whole thing up. That's it for this week. I'm Old Antonio, and this has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening, for supporting us here at Meat Eater. All of us really appreciate it, so thank you for that. If you want some more whitetail content, you want to listen to Clay's podcast or the Elements podcast, or you want to check out some of our series and our videos, some articles, go to TheMeatEater.com. You'll find all that stuff. And if you have a hankering to pick up some new First Light gear, maybe a Phelps deer call or whatever, you can also find that there as well at our Meat Eater store. Again, thanks for your support. See you next week. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.